0: Welcome to Flirting with Bitcoin. I'm your host, Mondana Youssefi, and this is my boo, Ian Reese. Hey, hey, welcome to the third episode of the Flirting with Bitcoin podcast. How are you feeling, Ian? Feeling great. Ready to drop some knowledge? Always. All right. So... In the second episode of the show, we had Ian teach us all about how Bitcoin is also the villain in this story. The existing financial systems, those that are in power in those systems, are not happy about Bitcoin. Uh, I think the term that Ian used was terrified.
1: Terrified is correct.
0: Yeah, and, and so Bitcoin for basically everyone but the bankers is the hero of the story. And and where we left off was Ian telling us that Bitcoin's true value lies in it being unhackable.
1: That is one of the properties of Bitcoin that makes it very valuable. Yes.
0: Well, all right, guys, let's get into it. So yeah, two episodes in, I feel like I'm learning. I did download the Strike app and I did create my account and it gave me $5. I did not do anything else, so I can't buy Bitcoin yet because I have to enter some information about myself and it's a Saturday. I'm not doing it, but baby steps.
1: Yeah, I'm proud of you, babe. You are further ahead than the majority of the people on the planet right now. And all you did was create an account with this app called Strike.
0: I'm really proud of myself. I just want to take this time to thank me for me. (laughs) But in all seriousness, I was a little surprised to see that I can't really do anything until I enter my information just as if I was creating a bank account. So that was surprising. I thought that Bitcoin was supposed to be anonymous.
1: Uh Aha. It is anonymous. But what you've run into is the system fighting back. One of the things that the banks and the current system is doing to Bitcoin is it's working towards getting laws passed so that it's harder to buy Bitcoin. And so what you're running into right now is called the KYC law, know your customer. And so all of these new Bitcoin apps that sell Bitcoin or Coinbase that sells all these different cryptos, they all now are forced to collect all of this personal information on you before you're allowed to buy Bitcoin or cryptocurrencies through their apps.
0: And I assume the people that were lobbying for these laws were, are working in the current financial industries.
1: Yeah, so the, the bank's argument basically boiled down to these KYC laws have been impo- imposed on us. The banks have to do these laws also. So why is it that the Bitcoin guys don't have to collect this information on people? That's how the banks made a valid point. It also hinders the adoption of Bitcoin because people are coming to it thinking that it's this open thing. You you don't have to give all this personal information. And then you get hit with this immediately, like we need your social and your date of birth and stuff like that. But that's still the same information that you would give the banks if you opened a bank account. So the banks got these laws through under the conditions of like, things should be equal. And we have these things forced on us as well.
0: When did this law pass? Because that was government- American government recognizing Bitcoin as money.
1: Well, the KYC laws have existed for a very long time, and that comes from the war on drugs.
0: Right. I mean, the KYC laws for Bitcoin.
1: So when I started five years ago, I didn't have to give that information. So within the last five years, these laws have been like passed and pushed through, and now you can't have an app that doesn't do this.
0: Do these KYC laws enhance the security of Bitcoin for us? Like, does it protect our ability to tie the Bitcoin to ourselves, or does it make us more vulnerable because there are more people who know how much Bitcoin we have? What happens to the security of Bitcoin when we have to give our personal information?
1: Technically, the KYC laws are a hindrance to the security of Bitcoin because Without these KYC laws, you and I can purchase and convert as much as our wealth into Bitcoin as we want. And technically only we know that we have that amount of wealth in Bitcoin. But when you buy that Bitcoin through Coinbase and Coinbase knows that you purchased however much you purchased, right? And then you transfer your Bitcoin out of Coinbase to a wallet that you control. Just like I was talking about last episode with Satoshi Nakamoto, people have done analysis and have figured out that this is probably an address that he controls. And if these Bitcoin move, then this must be Satoshi Nakamoto. People can do that analysis on anybody. All you have to do is find a wallet and then trace it back to an exchange where it was bought. And if you can hack that exchange now... All of those outflows can be identified to people and you can trace it, even though it's supposed to be anonymous.
0: So you said hack that exchange. Well, but then you also said that Bitcoin is unhackable. So, so what, what is the truth, Ian?
1: Coinbase For already sure. knows that you purchased this Bitcoin. And Coinbase, without ever being hacked as a company, could use that information to then know how much Bitcoin you or I or anyone else has.
0: So that's the case when you are buying Bitcoin on an exchange like Coinbase or Strike. But I thought that with Bitcoin, the point is that you can hold it like physical property and have it in something that's like the equivalent of a security (laughs) lockbox.
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, the internet representation of a, of a lockbox, right? Step one is creating an account somewhere where you can buy the Bitcoin. But when you buy the Bitcoin on, say, Strike, Strike is really just holding that Bitcoin for you. When you want to get to the next level, you want to withdraw your Bitcoin from Strike. And the way you do that is you can withdraw it to your own personal wallet, A wallet is to the Bitcoin network as a browser is to the internet network. So some people use Chrome, some people use Firefox, some people use Internet Explorer, but they all operate on the internet. On Bitcoin, you have a wallet and some people use Blue Wallet, some people use Samurai Wallet, some people use Ledger, but they all interact with the Bitcoin network. Strike is a custodial service that holds it for you, but you don't have access to those keys. And when you have your own wallet, you can actually say that I am in control of my Bitcoin and no one else can move it.
0: And what's a key?
1: A key is the, it's literally a key to... It's
0: like a little brass key.
1: No, 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 no. Think of it like um you're logging into some website and then they send you a text message as like a confirmation that you have to punch in like six digits.
0: Mm-hmm. Two-factor authentication. I'm not good
1: job, babe. Good job. Yeah. So it's kind of like that where without this key, you cannot sign the transaction to move the Bitcoin. So only the person that has a key to the address in a wallet that holds a certain amount of Bitcoin can move the Bitcoin from that location.
0: So all the Bitcoin that we have on an exchange like Coinbase or Strike is not actually our Bitcoin.
1: Correct. You can assume that any Bitcoin that you have on Coinbase, or you can assume that any Bitcoin that you have on Strike, that Bitcoin you don't control. You don't control it because you don't have access to those keys that we're talking about, right? Mm. All you have access to is a password. If you have Bitcoin and it's on Strike or Coinbase or wherever, you don't actually own it. It's not actually your Bitcoin. At best, you just have a claim to that Bitcoin. And that's where withdrawing the Bitcoin from Strike or Coinbase to an address that only you control the keys to is when you truly own that Bitcoin. The big distinction between the current financial system and the Bitcoin financial system is that you used to be able to do that in the current financial system. You could take your dollars to the bank and they would give you gold, right? Like that was the equivalent. You were taking your wealth out of the bank in the form of gold. But we made that illegal back in the 30s. So no one alive today has ever really done that. But what Bitcoin is enabling is the 90 years later version of that where while you're not taking a physical thing, a physical gold bar out of a bank, Um, Bitcoin does enable you to, in a similar fashion, withdraw your wealth from the control of a third party, such as a bank. And no one alive today has ever had the opportunity to live with that level of responsibility for their wealth. Bitcoin teaches responsibility. You got to be a lot more responsible than someone who forgets their password all the time. If you're not able to remember your password and you're not a responsible person, you should probably leave your Bitcoin on Coinbase or Stripe. It took me a year before I understood the difference and was moving it off of the exchanges onto something that I controlled. That's a level of responsibility. Like you hear these stories about people that have lost hundreds of millions of dollars in Bitcoin. And there's this guy in the UK who is literally petitioning his city to let him dig in this landfill for this hard drive that has, he believes, the keys to a wallet that's worth like $200 million. Oh
0: my gosh. And
1: the city is like, no, we're not letting you <laughs> that dig. That
0: triggered my anxiety.
1: <laughs> <laughs> How do you think he feels?
0: So I'm thinking about myself in this position. There's probably a lot of other people like this where they have a, a spouse that, who has invested in Bitcoin. They really aren't paying attention to it. They don't know anything about it. They have no idea what wallet address key situation is happening. Something happens to their spouse. Mm -hmm. Can they access the Bitcoin? Like, what do they do?
1: If the significant other is conscious and can... (laughs) tell them what to do. <laughs> the
0: last moments of their life.
1: <laughs> I guarantee you, there are going to be a lot of people whose last words are how to get at their Bitcoin. You're going to find out real fast who you actually care about. So if you say, oh, here's my wallet and here's how you get in it and give half to my daughter and half to my mom. They can do
0: whatever they want. They
1: can, they can do whatever they want. It's more than just being responsible with your money. It's you have to be Living a responsible life where you're surrounding yourself with responsible people who you could tell important information to and trust that it gets executed. Right? Like that's the world that Bitcoiners live in. There's no customer support when it comes to Bitcoin. Ooh. It's like you got a sack of gold coins and you're on your deathbed and you got to <laughs> hand them to somebody and hope that they do the right thing.
0: So this is what I mean when I when I say that Bitcoin is overwhelming. This is very overwhelming to me. I do not feel responsible. Enough. <laughs> I don't feel responsible enough. So like there has to be other people that feel this way too. There have to be like fail-safe mechanisms that are protecting irresponsible people.
1: Yeah, that stuff is coming to the market. This year, a lot of new products came to market that like address that problem. And they're trying to bridge that gap between people are used to a certain level of support when it comes to their money, but they want to be interacting in the Bitcoin world. And so these sites are coming up where you don't solely control control the access to your Bitcoin, but you control the access to your Bitcoin along with a third party. And so they can't move it unless you agree to move it and vice versa. So no one can do something that the other doesn't want to do. But those systems can then be built where I can put like you down as a beneficiary. So then if something does happen to me, you just have to bring them documentation and paperwork. And they're like, well, it's cool because we can still control this stuff. You can prove that he's dead. You prove who you are. He said, you're the beneficiary (laughs) and they can just, I don't
0: know why I'm laughing. That's so sad,
1: (laughs) but then they can give you access to these, these things or whatever. And it's more, How the current world works.
0: So you have to like kill someone or pretend that someone's dead to get access to their Bitcoin.
1: In that system, yes, you would have to do that. But in the system I described before, where you're just the sole person responsible Mm -hmm. for it, as long as I have that device physically in my hand and I know the passcode to it, it's mine.
0: It's interesting because it's going to happen sooner or later where someone challenges this in court.
1: It's like I said in episode two, like Bitcoin is property. And so what that means is that a lot of the court cases that are coming up, a lot of people are challenging whatever's going on on the grounds that Bitcoin is property. The legal system already has procedures in place for dealing with property. So as long as you have your Bitcoin in a place, like these third-party custodial services, then the legal system will protect you with the current laws that exist. You don't need new regulation or anything like that because... Bitcoin is property. And that's the case that any lawyer is making right now. The Bitcoin is money. That's not really being challenged in court and doesn't really matter. When you're arguing um, deathbed beneficiaries, you just argue that it's property. The fact that one of Bitcoin's main attributes is that it's property, it kind of shines through and any judge would just go, well, yeah, like he owns a thing it's, it's stored here. This is the beneficiary, give it to the beneficiary done.
0: It's so fascinating to me that all of these things exist, these laws, these new companies, all of this exists, but I just, nothing in, I'll call it mainstream media, suggests that Bitcoin is real money.
1: This is why Coinbase is such an important company. Coinbase is a publicly traded company. What that means is that there's a bunch of rich people sitting around basically agreeing that this thing can exist within the current system because they're willing to take some of their wealth and buy stock in this company that is doing this, this business. And that business is selling this digital cryptocurrency property, whatever, whatever attribute you want to give to it. So the fact that they IPO'd and raised that amount of money, this is a thing that's going to exist. Because if you make these things completely illegal, you are going to wipe out the value of Coinbase, right? Because it will no longer be able to operate, but you're going to wipe out hundreds of other companies that have been formed in the last 13 years. That's a lot of jobs. The fact that Bitcoin is property means you can't pass laws that take away people's property. Right. And that's how, in my opinion, the genius of Satoshi Nakamoto is that it's not that it's one thing, it's that it's multiple things. And so when someone challenges it, it has this tool belt to pull from to fight off any Attack on it. Government regulation, especially in the United States, Bitcoin's property. Americans, you ain't taking Americans' property. That's, that's Don't antith- tread on me. That's antithetical to America. <laughs> so while you might have a narrative that says it's crypto fake internet money and criminals are using it, when it goes to court, it's property. The government seizes Bitcoin, just like its property. If You're a criminal and you have it. They seize it from you as it's your property. Mm -hmm. They turn around and they auction it off and they get dollars for it because they have the right to sell off the property that they seized from said criminals. So they're already applying the property laws when they bust the criminals, but that goes both ways. And so they're never going to be able to outlaw it because they've already prosecuted certain people as criminals and that had this property that they seized and sold. The irony is that they can come and take my car, they can come and take my house. Those are physical possessions and guys with guns can come and take them. When it comes to Bitcoin, they don't have that same power because unless I turn over these keys that we've been talking about, they can't actually seize the Bitcoin from me. They could put me in jail. I don't know where that device is. I lost it in a boating accident.
0: Well, what if the government wanted to torture you? Well, I guess that's the only way.
1: It's actually in the the past couple of years, there's been a prime example of what we're talking about. And it didn't happen in the United States. It happened in Saudi Arabia. Saudi Arabia got this new prince and he invited everyone back to Saudi Arabia to announce this big plan of what he was gonna, how he's gonna reform the country. And instead he locked everybody up in a hotel and proceeded to make them sign away their wealth. Had those people had all of their wealth in Bitcoin, yes, he could have tortured them, but he could have never gotten at that. And if you kill that person, the access to that Bitcoin theoretically could die with them. It like creates this new balance of power where if you really want to take this from me and it's a thing that you can't physically take from me, then torture kind of doesn't work.
0: You know, hearing that application of Bitcoin to like a real world example, I think it would be hard to argue against the assumption that people that are in powerful positions right now, people that are running governments, they must feel very threatened by Bitcoin. They have to be actively working to discredit the power.
1: Right. The system today is predicated on the idea that we all value specifically the United States dollar. And then there's a bunch of currencies that subsequently fall below that. The problem with that is the United States dollar is controlled by someone and can be seized. We hear about this all the time, right? Some dictator does something we don't like, we freeze their assets. That is because the world operates on a dollar system that is controlled by a specific group of people. In the Bitcoin world, it's not controlled by a specific group of people. No one has the ability to freeze your assets. Only the people flexing on that ability to freeze your assets are mad at Bitcoin. Everyone (laughs) else who's been having their assets frozen over the last 40, 50, 70 years, while they might not like that they can't take the assets from their people, maybe, they do like the idea that their assets can't be frozen by other people.
0: Like Bitcoin is the ultimate way to secure the bag.
1: Bitcoin is the way to secure the bag.
0: Well, Ian, this is the end of the third podcast of Flirting with Bitcoin.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. What do you think?
1: Uh, I think it's going really well. Yeah. Having fun.
0: Do you think I'm actually retaining the information that you're giving me?
1: I mean, you know, as the name says, you've been flirting with Bitcoin for a while.
0: I have been. This is. I've stepped into commitment. Instead of like deleting the apps, I downloaded the apps. (laughs) (laughs) And that joke is extra funny because Ian and I met on Tinder. He he super liked me. Yeah, and you
1: you you swiped right. Yes, yes I I did. Yes
0: I did. So
1: here we are.